Events of the past 12 months have once again highlighted that Australia still has a long way to go when it comes to our relationship with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. 20 years on from the Reconciliation March of 2000, the path to reconciliation is still one that as a nation we have a long way to travel. In that spirit of reconciliation, I would like to offer my respects to the traditional owners of the land on which we meet, both past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. So hello everyone and welcome. I'm joined today by designer, design researcher and author Erica Hall who joins us from America. Erica, welcome. Hello, thank, thank you so much for, uh, for having me. It's, it's great to chat. It's wonderful. Now you are on the west coast of America. Mm-hmm. Um, it is now post-election. It is... Um, bushfire season it's well it's mm-hmm. kind of post-election um yeah and let's, almost post-election we can, we, we can talk about that to begin with how, how are you feeling um about how things have gone in the u.s elections um and the subsequent carry-on let's start there well uh it's it's complicated Isn't uh it? i will say in general uh, there's a, a sense of relief mm. that it uh, didn't go as badly as it might have o- overall. Uh, following that is uh, a sense of exhaustion because it did not come to as definitive a conclusion as quickly uh, as would have been, um, you know, ideal, I would say. And uh, I'm not sure how closely you're you're following it. You've probably caught that we still have one Senate election that will decide the the balance of power in a very significant way. And that's still a month off. uh, Voter registration is closing, like, as of this moment we're having this conversation. Mm. And... um, uh, yeah, so there's still a lot up in the air. And of course, yeah. I was I was just looking at the results of a survey. Uh, Republican senators aren't admitting that Biden won still. So we're, yeah, so it's like, there's a, yeah. yeah, it's a month. we're still in that it's space. Been it's been a month. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're talking on December 8th. It's four mm-hmm. and a half weeks since election day in the US. It mm-hmm. was, you know, I pretty much. It's nearly five weeks, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. There has been, uh, I think now, 42 lawsuits in various states um, that the Trump campaign has um, waged. They mm-hmm. are one for 41 in terms of their win-loss ratio, and most of them are complete rubbish. We saw mm-hmm. um, some this week in Michigan and uh, Wisconsin, I think, were the two states where they were holding hearings, um, and I use that term loosely because they were the ravings of a collection of comedy clowns, really. It was... It yeah. was it was parody. It was farce. It wasn't mm-hmm. politics. It wasn't even law. It was 
And we've had five weeks of it. Yeah. Yeah. And each each day there's a new, like I think today there was a new story that uh, Biden had won Georgia again because they had mm-hmm. perhaps done an, an additional recount. And yeah, it's just, it, it's, it would under normal circumstances be exhausting if it were just some sort of ambiguous state. But the fact that we're existing, we continue to exist in dueling, literally dueling realities Yes, is rough. Like I enjoyed Fringe, the TV series. I mm-hmm. don't enjoy this sense of like living in it and thinking yes. which reality do we wake up in today or which reality is going to dominate. And it's it's been a battle for four years, five years. You've had this sort of yeah. constant constant sense of what madness have I woken up to today mm-hmm. um, and it's it's been a fresh one every day for the mm-hmm. last four years it's not like there have been quiet days it's been pretty relentless yeah yeah, yeah so and and of course because uh, because I am uh, in in California mm-hmm. there's also this perpetual sense of disenfranchisement yeah. in, in terms of the federal government since we are, the sixth largest economy in the world. We're the most populous state in the country, but just because of the way our federal elections work and the way the the, the Senate representation works, uh, we do not have, it, it's like we have more power in on the global stage and more influence in the global economy than we have power in our own federal government is what it feels like. Yeah, well. So, now, yeah. in, the, in the lead up to the election, um, we saw a variety of changes being made uh, finally um, to the way in which um, social networks like Facebook and Twitter in particular labelled political commentary and um, advertising with warning labels. We actually Mm -hmm. saw lies and myth-truths and misinformation Mm -hmm. called out to an extent. Did that help, do you think? (laughs) No. Yeah. (laughs) And and I have, uh, I can can respond to that on on a couple of levels. One is just in general, um, too too little, too late, and not... um, and not the sort of thing that actually changes anything. Fact checking, yeah. fact checking is necessary as as a practice. Yes, you know, in journalism, in any work of nonfiction, mm-hmm. um, it is an it is an ethical necessity. It is a professional necessity to fact check mm-hmm. as a rhetorical device or as a persuasive mechanism. Mm. Facts. Um, have no power because you have to agree on a standard of evidence before you can argue from it or else it's it's just dueling whatever. And I have direct experience of this because I have a Trump supporting relative on Facebook, as many of us in America do. Yes. And after the election, when the, the or but in the run up to the election, mm. say, and around mm. this whole yep. time, this whole time period when Facebook, quote unquote, started doing something, um, this, uh, this relative of mine, uh, and this, this wasn't like in conversation, this was just like looking at their posts, mm. was uh, arguing against and saying, oh, Facebook says they're fact checking, but 
how do I know what their sources are? Right. So there was already this idea. So for somebody who only watches right-wing media, and I know this to be the case for this person, um, the fact-checking was already suspect. It was like, great, who are your sources? And I even tried a little bit because I, I sort of deal, I don't, have too many people like this in my, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in my sphere. But I, I tried poking a little bit and I said, well, you know, here's the organization. It's a bipartisan organization. And the response was, oh yeah, they say they are. And I looked at the, yep. the organization that oversees the fact checking and there are conservatives and Republicans on the board. And, and I tried, I said, so, you know, just to see how this conversation would go. Mm-hmm. I said, so, but look, there are people who have like, I think there was somebody who's like was a very high ranking like military comms person or something, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. And the response was, oh sure, they say they're conservative. And so even in the case of the person with the opposing beliefs, like saw that there was fact checking going on, the the source of the fact checking, the source of reality was suspect. Yeah. And so the so yeah, that horse is so far out of that barn. Mm. And there's no there's no real way to penetrate that logic. I mean, it's it's very, very well and truly uh, circular and insular. Um, mm-hmm. It's I've I've tried it myself. I have um, mm-hmm. you know sort of uh, gaming buddies who are in you know uh, rural Texas, for example. Um, very very much uh, advocates of of Trump, very much advocates of their Second Amendment rights, as you as you would mm-hmm. expect in in rural Texas. Um, they consider themselves to be uh, educated, um, and and to an extent. I'd agree with them. Um, they consider themselves to be, um, you know, informed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, their their sense of scepticism um, flows all the way through, like all levels, not just of the media, but all levels of government as well. Um, mm-hmm. I remember having a conversation with some of them about. A, a piece of legislation that was being put through the uh, the state legislature in Texas, and I I quoted the the legislation like the actual mm-hmm. bill that was up for for voting, and I said, look, here's 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 the bill that we're talking about, you know, um, and it was it was something to do with gun control, which is why mm-hmm. we were talking about it. I said, but here's here's what the bill actually says. Uh, I don't. I don't know where you're getting that from, but that's that's not what it's really about. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm getting it from the state government house. You know, like this is the bill. This is the bill mm-hmm. that they're reading to to vote on. Yeah, you can't you can't trust. I can't I can't poke that yeah. veneer. Like there's that's a that's a a, a, a very well insulated uh, mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, we 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 can, and by some rights, we 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 should uh, talk about politics all day long. Um, <laughs> but let's 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 move on uh, a little bit mm-hmm. and and talk about um, the topic of your book. Um, so just just enough research, which came out as a second edition. Was it late last year or early yeah. early this year? Yeah, it feels End like about. Last year. 
15 years ago if it happened yeah. in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, you you made enough, like the, the book originally came out in, in 2013. What... I, have we advanced in design research? Have we sort of made great leaps forward over the last seven years? Um, as the, the answer to that is the, the answer to all things, which is yes and no. So um, more uh, people, I would say more people and more organizations are uh, not just interested in it, but see it as a, a necessary part of the practice. Mm. Um, the implications of that are, uh, are still tricky. Okay. So I'd say there, there are a ton of, when I went back and, you know, this kind of assessed the lay of the land working on the second edition, uh, I, I found that a, a lot of people are having a lot of, of conversations about it to say like, oh, this is something that we obviously have to do as opposed uh, more, more so than, oh, we've got to convince our stakeholders or our clients that we have to do this. Mm-hmm. And so there was more of a sense of that. But the, the place it breaks down is the results of the research actually influencing decision-making. And so that's kind yeah, of the area that I consider mm-hmm. my chief concern. Okay. So a lot of people are doing a lot of research work of... Yep various descriptions. So there's a lot of work going on, but whether it's the right work with the Mm -hmm. right output is one question. And I'd say the harder one is whether anything is changing in the decision-making process because Mm -hmm. of that work. And I would say sometimes, but that is still the place where it falls apart. Everybody has questions about the tools. Everybody has questions about the methodology uh, but the part that I really work on where it breaks down is actually asking the right questions and having the results change something about the outcome of the work. I think that's one of the one of the interesting things when we look at assessing the, you know, the design maturity for one of a better phrase, but the maturity of an organization when it comes to the use of design um, from research all the way through to you know mm-hmm. methods of problem solving and idea generation and, and reconceptualizing and all of the other good things that, that happen. Um, but there's part of that maturity that says, well, how are decisions being made? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what is the role of insight in this case in the subsequent informing of various decisions that get made along the way? And it, it sounds like we're, we're still um, operating in many cases, at the whim of some mm-hmm. very other powerful interests in those decision-making um, practices. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And in fact, uh, some some folks have been asking me recently about uh, coming up with a, like a heuristic for, for research mm. uh, maturity. In, in addition to design maturity, they said they're getting, they're starting to get requests from client organizations for an assessment Hmm. of of the research uh, of the research maturity that would be interesting um and it's it's certainly you know uh i know you know over the last sort of 20 years we've seen um a shift in the times at which we engage with customers users people outside the organization has shifted from the 
the evaluative later stages um, mm-hmm. you know could we make this particular thing better or is this particular thing working well mm-hmm. or achieving its objective and we've been moving further upstream in the in the process and the the times that we are engaging with outside people um, mm-hmm. has now well and truly moved into the well let's explore let's understand uh, let's inform our mm-hmm. thinking as early as we can um, but we still, we still run into issues, I think, around um, how are those insights being used? And mm-hmm. I know we've got questions around still, and this is an area that seems to be getting quite a lot of traction at the moment, is who are we actually speaking to? And mm-hmm. this idea of inclusion and access into the decision-making process is one that's mm-hmm. really sort of opening up. Are you seeing, are you seeing that discussion taking place in your world um yeah i I, i'd say the discussions the discussions are are taking place uh but the fundamental uh the fundamental area that i i'd want to draw everybody's attention to Mm. is the alignment of um uh of goals and and yeah, I'd say probably probably the alignment of goals, because if um, if there are people out in the world who are your users or your customers, and there's your your business, your organization, your service, who mm-hmm. is ever making the thing, mm-hmm. um, if the if the goals are not in alignment, nothing else matters downstream. And yeah. I feel like too much of the conversation is still taking place way downstream. And going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the discussion Mm. with Facebook, Mm. right? The problem is that it is not in Facebook's interest to solve these problems. You posted a photo the other day of an anglerfish. I think it was an anglerfish, um, (laughs) which, you know, like big, big gaping teeth with the little... um, uh, The lure. the lure, and it's a, a, a bioluminescence um, mm-hmm. sort of antenna almost that it uses to attract uh, fish towards it and, and then it eats them. Um, and I thought that was a, a, a lovely metaphor around, you know, uh, in, in a lot of cases what it is that we're up against, this idea mm-hmm. that, um, you know, what we're, what we're effectively doing um, is is feeding the jaws of this beast, and and what we're not doing is uh, having an impact on in in the case of that image you were talking about the business model uh, of the mm-hmm. organisation. Um, yeah. Are, are you are you seeing that change? Like, are, are we getting there? Are we getting to the point where you know our our design research and our insights is starting to inform better business models? Um, not yet. I'd say I'd say not yet because mm. uh, the big barrier to this, and this is based on, on some conversations I've had with folks, I'd say in some cases, but only at the margins, right? Yeah. If your business model is fundamentally extractive or fundamentally yep. predatory, yep. nothing, nothing you can do about it. But yep. if you're providing a fundamentally like useful service, but it's it needs some tuning. Mm. Um, then, then you can do some work there to say, oh, you know, we're actually providing something that people need and can use and, and value. Yep. But we could we could be doing it a little a little bit better. The mm-hmm. problem is because so 
um, much of the funding for business and so much of the attention on business is on like rapid growth and scaling. Yeah. Once you introduce that um, as a metric of success, just the sheer act of, of scaling up mm. makes things uh, suck more, I would say. Uh, it, it just does because it's a lot of things that are good. Yeah aren't good. It's, they're just not good at scale. A lot of services that are good aren't good when you automate them. They're less good when you, when you automate them or, um, other bad things start happening. Like take Amazon, right? Mm Um, I, I worked on a big research project this summer and I talked to a lot of people about Amazon and everybody is really, really extra dependent on Amazon now. Um, and Jeff Bezos in all of this, like he's the winner of the pandemic, right? Like he is so much richer because of the pandemic 60, and 65 66 billion dollars in additional wealth since march i think i read the other day it was something it, yeah it, he alone he yeah. alone so just, just him just, just him. him just him and and you look at that and you say well is it like it, it, it's a real conundrum because mm-hmm. um the fact that when we're stuck inside we can have anything delivered to us uh, that we need to live very easily, very conveniently while, you know, if somebody's like parenting a small child and trying to do their job from home mm-hmm. um, and can't go outside, you're like, well, of course that's a really valuable service. But then you look at the implications of, of how scale that is. You look at the people, the drivers and the people working in the warehouses and that whole supply chain and how, and there is, like misery for a certain subsets of, of the people who interact with the great system. Absolutely. But there's yeah. a benefit for people. Mm. And, um, and, and there's also been this expectation that's been set. Like I'm old enough that I remember catalog ordering. I don't know if you remember this. And as a, as yeah. a child, if you ordered something out of the back of a comic book, mm. it would say, you'll be getting this in six to eight weeks. Yep. Right. And it's like, cool. And you sort of, you anticipate awesome. Yep. Yeah, that, that was mail order. Yep. Um, and now we're at the point of same day, like our doorbell is like ringing and delivery has really changed. Like it yeah. used to be mail or packages would come once a day. I don't, I don't even know if there's a schedule. I don't like, I'm sure there's this, just there are many algorithms. Yes. Um, and so that's a real, like that's, that's really tough to tease all that out, but it's just because it dominates everything. And I, and people yeah. have been talking about the fact that it's impossible to not give Amazon money because of S3. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's a, that's a tricky one, right? Cause it's, it's just so huge. So getting back to your, mm-hmm. your original um, question is can designers and researchers like make business models more, um, like humane, human-centered, sustainable. Mm. It it starts from the seed, right? It's like, mm-hmm. what's your funding source? Yeah. Um, are you uh, if you're not a private company, mm-hmm. like if you work for an organization that's a publicly traded company, you yeah. are not doing user-centered design. You are doing shareholder-centered design, and that is mm-hmm. just a fact. Yeah. And I think so. I think the more that designers mm-hmm. and design researchers and people. Uh, working in UX or however you want to characterize that, the more that you uh, uh, realize that it's not, because I think there's been this discussion where like, oh, design is the more virtuous side of business. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. The more you just embrace the fact that, okay, your work is a business function. Mm. And this is kind of what I was uh, getting at with the anglerfish thing mm. is if there's been this sense of like, oh, but we empathize with the users. Um, and we're not like that. We're not like sales or accounting mm. or any of these other functions. We're special. Mm. And holding yourself special like that mm. actually blinds you to what's really going on and makes it less likely that you can actually influence that. So there's a weird paradox in there. So mm. you've got to accept that like design, especially if you're working internally for a business, you're a function of the business. You're not more special than sales. But if you think about that, then you'll be you'll you'll be kind of blind to the reality of the business, and I think less less able to influence. Um, and that's, that could be kind of a harsh reality because I think a lot of the rhetoric around UX is well, we're the ones who make the business more virtuous, but it, we're not. We're just we're not. We don't have that ability. We can't because mm. because there's business fundamentals. So I, I want designers to think more about business mm. and just get more grounded in that because then you can say, okay, am I working for a fundamentally like ethical, actual human-centered business, or is this just like a lie mm. I'm telling myself to like so I can ignore the icky parts of the business I don't want to think about? Because mm. then what happens? Mm is you get something like the most benign, I would say example of this, is what's happened with Instagram, with the Instagram interface mm. in the last couple of weeks, right? Because Instagram, I would say, yeah, they're owned by Facebook. They've been uh, pulled like more and more towards, I'd say the core of Facebook, mm. but there's been a sense of like, oh, this is actually a nice, fun, pleasant thing to interact with that doesn't have, I mean, yeah, there's a certain amount of toxicity in terms of like, body image stuff, consumerism stuff, all the influencer stuff. There is yep. some dark, it's not pure light over on Instagram, but of all the sort of social network things, you're like, well, this is the one where I take photos of my dog, share them with my friends mm -hmm. and don't feel crappy, right? Yep. And then all of a sudden the interface shifted. So it's like, wait a second, Instagram is now a shopping app that if you try real hard, you can post a photo of your dog. Yeah. <laughs> Was that the designer's intent? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think designers were like, oh yeah, we did research and we found out that people, people want to really struggle. They want to struggle. Right. And that's, I think that is the clearest and, and most benign example of the fact that the design will conform yeah. to the business. I think there, there aren't many organizations and there are certainly not many large organizations. And I think the list of publicly traded organizations would be uh, like zero um, that equally balance the needs of external, you know, investors, shareholders, mm -hmm. venture capitalists, etc., with the needs of the real needs of customers not the um, manipulated needs but the the real needs of customers and the real needs of workers um in in any way that gives all three of them equal power mm -hmm. i think in most organizations and as i say certainly in the most publicly traded organizations you end up with shareholders effectively having a pocket veto over everything else mm -hmm. oh, hang on a minute that's going to hurt my share price that's going to hurt my dividend that's going to hurt my like i, I then we, we're against it um mm -hmm. and the feedback cycles on that are very very fast um and the question gets asked every day what's that doing to my share price what's that doing to my capital what's that doing to my mm -hmm. my yield and if the answer is 
a negative one, then the feedback is is very fast. And CEOs don't last very long, and certainly design mm-hmm. leads don't last very long if that's if that's what they're trying to put forward. So the incentive yeah. structures aren't there, the power structures aren't there. Um, let alone you know, talking about Amazon a moment ago. Certainly, we've we've seen attempts. Um, of workers to unionise and organise inside mm-hmm. Amazon, um, not getting very far, uh, and it's a it's a sign of the power imbalance that mm-hmm. currently exists within those environments. It would be lovely to see um, progress made on that front, where we're starting to see a shift in in those decision making structures. Yeah, because it's the strange thing about it is that. It, in these cases, if if you're working for uh, a publicly traded or you know speculative business, mm-hmm. it's not even like you're working for a business anymore. You're because it it doesn't even matter if you're profitable in many cases. No, like profitability has been like dis- disconnected yep. from uh, valuation mm-hmm. or, or share price mm-hmm. you're you're working it's like you're working for a gambling chip at that point so you can't draw the line to like anything that seems rational at all because it's mm-hmm. not even like oh as a designer i can help like cut costs and increase profits by doing this thing it's like no it all ties yeah. to the fact that that you've been securitized mm-hmm. and and this is why i think so many designers have started yelling about capitalism because that is the issue They've become part of that extractive system. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But I, I don't think it's um, com- uh, totally unfixable or inevitable. But no. I, I think it does. It does take collective action, like on mm. the labor side, on the design side, even just I think the talking about it side, the sort of consciousness mm. raising. Hey, hey, wait a second, UX pals. It actually doesn't matter. Like how good you are at your job because these are structural issues and these are, these are systems. Yeah. The um, move towards um, a design union um, is a fascinating one. The idea that designers within some of these organizations would unionize is a really fascinating one. Um, I'm, I'm super curious to see how it plays out. And I think it will play out and come to a head over the next five years. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's reaching a, a fairly critical point where something needs to shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning with politics mm. is one of the things that's saved democracy in America is professional standards. Yeah. Because when these cases, the cases you mentioned mm. that the Trump folks uh, brought forward and lost, mm-hmm. things that happened were because were despite the like the bluster and um, and the lying and the storytelling, when a lawyer had to go before a judge, yes, that lawyer couldn't call anything evidence that wasn't evidence, right? Yes. Or they would suffer themselves yes they would they would be sanctioned they could be uh disbarred Mm -hmm. things could happen to them same thing with these judges because some of these judges were uh, very conservative trump appointees but 
they they were held to a higher professional standard outside of that immediate transaction. And so I think you could look at that and say, wow, because those lawyers, once they were in front of a judge, had to say, oops, sorry, no evidence, Mm -hmm. because they were beholden to a professional standard. I think that might that might give us some hope to say, wait a second, maybe if if we did ultimately, because we also like it's a strange thing. Our, our, the field of, of this type of digital systems design mm. is really young. Like yeah. everything's yeah. accelerated so yeah. quickly, like so yeah. fast. And so that isn't to let us off the hook, but to say, okay, it's not over, over yet because we are still looking around and saying, oh, what is our field? What are the yeah. bounds of our practice? There was and a- yeah. There was a, a, a great exchange in one of those uh, legal cases that you were talking about um, early. Uh, it was probably only uh, two or three days into the uh, the post-election period. Um, and a, a, a lawyer in, it might have been either Georgia or Pennsylvania, um, representing the, the Trump campaign, was arguing um, that the count should be invalidated because um, they didn't have representatives in the counting room. They didn't have scrutineers mm-hmm. um, who were up to watch. And the um, the judge asked the question, you know, so you're saying that there were uh, no scrutineers from the Republican Party, from the um, from your side, able to, you know, watch the watch the count. And the the lawyer said, well, there was a there was a non-zero number of scrutineers. And the judge sort of paused for a moment. And he said, I'd like to remind you that as a member of the bar, there are certain rules governing what you say in this court. So let me ask you again, did you have scrutineers watching the count? Yes. Case dismissed. Mm -hmm. But they were able to put that professional standard And we don't, and we've had the certification debate, you know, on and off in uh, UX for a number of years um, Mm -hmm. in in a whole raft of different guises. Uh, But there was something about that, and I agree with you, there's something about that um, that was interesting. And in, Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm an architect practicing that style Mm -hmm. of design, uh, there's no way I get to do anything other than follow my professional standards. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I'm very much thrown out of the guild. Um, yeah, it'll be an it's it's an interesting again. It's another interesting uh, question for the design field and for design research, um, mm-hmm. which I think is probably closer to a set of professional standards mm-hmm. than design itself is, because of the connection with sociology and psychology mm-hmm. and the ethical rules that govern yeah. that sort of thing. I think we're probably a lot closer to being able to adopt a set of uh, professional standards in design research rather than mm-hmm. in design um, practice, if you like. Erica, yeah. I, I, will, I will need to uh, close it there, but it's a, it's a, a fascinating area to end on. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you very much for the, for the discussion. It's been, it's been wonderful. Um, if people want to find your books, where should they go? Uh, yeah, the, the books are on um, a bookapart.com. Just go there, buy them direct. They're occasionally, yeah, they're occasionally sold on Amazon, but they're not really sold on Amazon. So just go and, and buy them direct. And unfortunately, 
Um, international shipping is very expensive, and we're still trying to work out distribution. But there's eBooks. But they're so. there. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. It was great talking to you. Mm -hmm.